Welcome to another instalment of In Conversation with Redouts. I'm Laura, I'm one of the Associate Solicitors at Redouts. I'm here with Jenny Wilde, who's a Director, and Sam, another Associate Solicitor. And today we're going to be having a chat about the first tier tribunal process, something that a lot of our clients that have difficulties with CQC or even Ofsted um, want a little bit more information about, navigating the process and what they can expect when they come into that domain if they've received a notice of decision. So we'll just be having a bit of a conversation about that. We've all got experience of advising clients in these situations and so hopefully you'll find this useful and it will help to demystify the process a little bit. Thanks for joining me guys. <laughs> I'll just kick off with some questions. Um, I suppose the most basic question is um, in what situations can a provider find themselves facing the possibility of being at the tribunal? Yeah so I mean I guess it's good to start with the tribunal is an independent body that handles appeals against decisions by relevant public bodies including CQC and Ofsted. So these are decisions that relate to um, registration and enforcement matters under the Health and Social Care Act 2008. That's in relation to CQC. So um, that could be a provider might have received, um, in relation to registration, um, a refusal for um, allowing an application for a new registration or a refusal in relation to an application to amend conditions of registration. Mm. And in relation to enforcement action, CQC might be taking action against the provider to cancel their registration or to suspend the registration or they could be imposing varying or removing conditions of an existing provider's registration. The enforcement action type decision will usually follow negative CQC inspection findings. Um, there's two routes to getting to the tribunal so in relation to CQC, they might be taking urgent action, under, um, which runs under a fast-track process. So um, CQC might issue a notice of decision straight away, it applies immediately, and then there's a fast-track tribunal process where you might end up in the tribunal in about three weeks' time. Um, but normally, uh, what I refer to as the normal process is that CQC might issue a notice of proposal to a provider um, talking about like setting out what they um, intend to do in relation to um, an enforcement decision or registration decision. Mm. Um, the provider has an opportunity to submit representations to CQC. If they don't accept these representations, then um, they would issue a notice of decision which would then be appealable through the first tier tribunal. Okay. So you've talked about different ways in which um, the provider can find themselves in front of the tribunal and from what you've explained, one way or the other, you, there will be a notice of decision. Um, so once the provider has received that notice of decision, what happens? What happens next? So as soon as a notice of decision is received, the clock starts ticking. So a provider has 28 days from the date of receipt to submit an appeal to the tribunal. This is an absolute deadline, so they should ensure that they don't miss this. If they miss the deadline, then the decision will take effect. Um, so it's very, very important um, that, that they do um, submit an appeal in time if they do intend to appeal. Um, it's a legal process, so we always recommend that providers take um, legal advice or seek legal advice in relation to it. Um, CQC will have lawyers on their side dealing with it and you don't want an imbalance of power in that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
But um, it's, we, we would always advise our clients that it's important to put your best case forward at the earliest opportunity. So when you receive a notice of decision, look at what CQC is saying and consider, you know, do you agree with what they're saying? Um, if you do, can you make improvements? Mm. Um, and that will form the basis of what you put forward in, the, in an appeal application. Mm. Um, the tribunal, really important point is that the tribunal has to consider the position of the service at the time they make a decision. So um, you have a lot of time, a provider has a lot of time to actually make improvements before they end up um, at a tribunal mm. with a decision being made and, and all of those improvements have to be taken into account. So essentially it's the position that the service is in as at the date of the tribunal hearing rather than what the situation was when the notice was issued? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it, I mean if CQC had concerns about certain compliance issues mm. then um, you can, the improvements that you make in relation to that compliance should be taken into account by the tribunal. The way that the court schedule is at the moment means that hearings aren't coming up until around six to nine months yeah. after mm -hmm. the decision comes up. So providers do have plenty of time to try and make changes and that would be the, the precedent position when it comes to the tribunal. Yeah. Have you had a lot of experience of providers demonstrating improvements in the run-up to a tribunal? Yeah, where providers agree that they have fallen short in some way and that's led to a decision, they tend to be quite proactive during that time and that's always what we would suggest and mm. what tends to happen is they engage with consultants or they start to implement an action plan that they've put together as a result mm. of the enforcement action and they essentially turn things around during that period. Most of our cases actually don't end up in tribunal because during the process the provider has been able to make such changes mm. that the CQC or whichever inspector is relevant to the case has come back in re-evaluated and decided that there isn't a position anymore to, to kind of oppose the appeal. Mm. So that's a positive outcome for us as yeah. well. I think that kind of leads on to what I was going to ask about next and what clients ask about next. I guess there's a sort of fear that as soon as you issue your appeal that you're definitely going to end up in court you're def or the tribunal which is like a court setting and mm. end up giving evidence and being a witness. But I wanted to ask, just because you've had a notice of decision and lodged your reasons for appeal, does that automatically mean that the provider will end up at a full hearing and are there opportunities to try and still resolve matters with CQC mm. or whoever it is in terms of the regulator in the run-up to the hearing? Yeah, so yeah, as you say, um, it definitely doesn't mean you'll end up at a tribunal just because you've submitted an appeal. Um, there's lots of room for negotiation along the way. As Jenny said, um, it can take, from, from receiving a notice of decision it, under the normal process, mm. it can take between, I'd say, three to nine months before you actually end up um, in front of a tribunal mm. hearing, if you ever do. Because, and there's so much scope for negotiation along the way. And the, I, I would say that the majority of the cases that we work on are negotiated before we get to a tribunal. Either it's because CQC has been convinced that there aren't any that their concerns are no longer valid or um, we've negotiated acceptable um, maybe alternative action so conditions on registration that are time limited mm. um, so yeah you're definitely not guaranteed to end up in front of a tribunal if you appeal a notice of decision. Sounds like that's especially the case in things where we're looking at closure conditions and that type of thing it might 
I would imagine, and from my experience, be slightly different in relation to, for example, registration cases. But I think that's something that we'll discuss in another instalment of um, in conversation with readouts. But in terms of for today's purposes, if a provider has submitted their reasons for appeal, CQC have responded and said they're continuing to oppose it. How how best should a provider prepare for a full hearing, and what can they expect if it does if it does run the distance and go to the tribunal? I think the best thing that providers need to appreciate when preparing for a hearing is that they need to be able to be ready to put forward their best evidence. Um, so that means ensuring that they choose the right people to provide witness statements for um, their case and ensure that they know the availability of these witnesses because at the beginning of the tribunal process um, the tribunal will have a telephone case management conference mm -hmm. or hearing where they um, talk about the timetable for the hearing and they'll set a hearing date pretty normally quite early on in the mm -hmm. process. So you want to ensure that you know your witnesses availability so that they will be available to appear at the final hearing. Um, another bit of preparation is just, just ensuring that you know the whole process. So you have exchange of evidence, um, then there's other steps along the way that take place um, before you actually get to a hearing. So evidence is normally exchanged early on. Um, but it might be, as we've talked about, um, make, you're making improvements all the way along the way. It might be that you want to submit evidence later on as well. So you might want to do amendments to witness statements. There's a lot of time that goes into the preparation for a hearing. And as lawyers, I guess you and we would collaborate with clients and, and take a view on a case-by-case -case basis of the best strategy. But I suppose clients aren't really, if they have legal representation on their own in terms of deciding... Um, what sort of evidence to put forward and how best to prepare the strategy um, of the case. Are there any other, in terms of the actual hearing day itself, what can, what can providers expect in terms of the tribunal set up and who, who will be there and what they will be expected to do? Yeah, so the tribunal normally aims to set for the actual hearing to be held close to the provider, where the provider service is based for convenience. Um, on the day, there'll be, I mean, if you're legally represented, represented there'll be the provider, there'll be CQC, um, your legal representative, so you might have barristers um, speaking on your behalf, and then there'll be the tribunal panel, so there's normally three members to a tribunal panel. It's normally more, it's more informal than like a sort of court procedure that you'll see on TV, like a magistrate's court procedure. Um, the actual hearings are held, sometimes they might be held in magistrate court buildings, but they do feel a bit more informal, um, although obviously you are, you are still giving evidence on behalf of um, your company and you need to make sure that you give truthful evidence because it is necessarily a court process, but it's just got more of an informal feel. Um, You'll both, both parties will have the opportunity to present their evidence and to cross-examine um, either side. So you can ask, or your barrister can ask CQC's witnesses questions, um, and then you'll have the opportunity to summarise your case as well in closing arguments. Okay. Um, the tribunal will also ask questions throughout to try and they want to be as informed as they can on the positions so that they can make a proper decision. You wouldn't normally receive a decision on the day. Um, you, you can sometimes, but we find that the tribunal normally um, 
closes the hearing and then says they'll provide a written decision later on, um, normally within seven days of the hearing. I suppose that leads me on to another question that providers often ask, and, and what are the potential outcomes of an appeal? And are there any anything that providers should think about with that in mind? Yeah, so, so potential outcomes could be that the appeal is allowed, which means that the provider has won the appeal. Um, you can have the appeal being dismissed, which means that um, CQC or whoever the um, government body is has won the appeal. Um, and there can also be a stay in proceedings, which means that proceedings are basically paused and that's normally to allow something to take place, for example, for CQC to go and re-inspect to ensure that they know the most up-to-date position, or it could be to allow parties time to negotiate. I think the, the tribunal have quite wide-ranging powers as well, don't they, in terms of conditions, so it may be the case that the provider doesn't think conditions should be imposed, CQC thinks that a certain number of conditions might be imposed. I think I'm right in saying that the CQC have some middle ground so they could decide, you know, they could decide to impose different conditions, is that is that something that you've come yeah. across? Yeah, so the, the tribunal can impose conditions themselves mm -hmm. or the parties can come to an agreement for the imposition of different conditions which can be agreed by consent order which can also dispose of the tribunal proceedings either at hearing or before a hearing as well. Okay. I think that's quite a useful overview but would you give any sort of top tips to sum up and, and things that providers should think about for example maybe the commercial impact of um, of proceeding with an appeal or not as the case may be? <laughs> I think providers that want to keep the service going would be advised to lodge an appeal if they feel strongly that that's the route they want to take. Um, you have that 28 days and you really ought to think carefully about the case you want to put forward but think about it in terms of if you don't lodge an appeal, the decision will take effect mm. on that 29th day. So that could result in the closure of the service or conditions being applied to your registration that you probably don't want to be there. Mm. So even if it's just a case of buying that extra time, we would always advise clients to lodge an appeal. And then if they agree with what's happening um, and that they could improve in some way, really use that time to reflect and improve a service. Mm. We would also suggest that people look at practice, um, where there are weaknesses, get in external help. Mm. Tribunals and CQC look quite favourably on consultants in our experience and we would always suggest that a third party can really lend an independent view and, and act actually as a really good witness during yeah. a tribunal proceeding. Um, I think one top tip is to not get lulled into you know, Sam talked about how it can seem quite informal, but it is a court of law. Yeah. You will have to swear an oath if you're a witness, and you will be cross-examined on your witness statement, so treat it with the formality that it deserves. It is court. In terms of the commercial impact as well, um, obviously there are costs involved in um, bringing an appeal. There'll be legal costs, but there'll also be time costs as well. So, as I mentioned earlier about giving witness statements, um, that that will be time taken out of your employees and managers um, work time yeah. to actually contribute to the appeal and it's very important that they do contribute because you know you're trying to put your best case forwards and we need to ensure we've got the most up-to-date position on the service to enable us to do that. I mean there, there's legal costs involved and there's also um, 
we, we have clients asking about whether they will get their costs back if they win an appeal. And normally through the tribunal, there's no order as to costs, mm -hmm. which means that both parties pay their own costs. Um, you'll normally only get a costs order against um, another party if you have act un acted unreasonably in bringing the case mm -hmm. um, or there's been some unreasonable conduct along the way and it's quite um, unusual for costs orders to be awarded but you should also appreciate that it can go either way so you could get a costs order against CQC or the regulator or they could also get one against you. So um, it's always a risk, but normally both parties pay their own costs. So that's something that needs to be um, considered when looking at the business impact of bringing an appeal. Yeah. I suppose it's a cost-benefit analysis for the provider who has to think about the potential impact of not appealing, which may be the closure of the service. And if they feel strongly enough that that's not justified, then it seems like it's certainly worthwhile going down the tribunal route. Thanks very much to Jenny and to Sam for having this conversation with me to help to demystify the tribunal process a little bit for providers. I hope you found it useful. If you have any more questions or indeed if you have received a notice of decision and are looking for further advice and assistance, you can get in contact with us um, either via our website or you can follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter or even just give us a call. We're always happy to have a chat with providers. As I say, I hope today's been useful. Um, do keep an eye out on all of our channels for further instalments of In Conversation with Redoubts.